All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So as far as earliest childhood memories, what are we getting into as a kid? Um, as a kid, we are talking, um, well, I guess I, I grew up in a large family. So I was one of eight kids. Okay. Um, we, um, I guess spent a lot of time outside. Um, we were all homeschooled, so we didn't have a lot of like organized activities, anything like that. It was just a lot of time just playing, hanging out with my siblings. Um, I was born in Arizona and lived there till I was eight. And I guess, um, I guess I would say like my earliest, like fun memories. We just spent so much time outside. Um, we had like maybe a half acre there, but there were all kinds of like trees and we had this little Creek running through our yard and we just spend all day outside climbing trees, we had a rope swing. We'd uh, climb up on the roof and jump off onto the trampoline. Like <laughs> we just had like, and especially that house. I have like so many memories of like how fun the outside was. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff to do. Um, yeah, when I was eight, we moved to Texas um, and we had five acres there. And again, just a lot of time spent outside. Yeah. We There were deer trails that kind of went all the way around our property. So we'd run around barefoot, just running around, climbing trees and just having fun. Um, yeah. So it was a really like, um, a very, uh, different childhood mm-hmm. than I think most probably experienced, but, um, it was kind of neat because, um, we just kind of got to be kids yeah. and, um, I mean, obviously there was like school involved. We had to do like school and chores in the morning, but then the highlight every day was like <laughs> getting outside playing. Yeah. Um, so which I think is, I mean, it's good for children. Like I see a lot of huge benefits in it yes. like now for me today. So <laughs> Sit, sitting in cool. a chair eight hours a day is not ideal for, for most kids. Some kids might like it. Not me. Yeah, definitely not me. <laughs> um, so yeah. playing outside, is that something your parents are like, Hey, you have to go play outside or is it because your other seven siblings were out there as well? You were just with them. It's definitely something we just did. Um, there may have been a little bit of like, why don't you go play outside? But um, I guess with so many of us, we didn't have like massive houses either. So it wasn't like we had a ton of extra space. Um, and then also it was a little bit of like, I don't know, when you're at home all the time, there was a little bit of like, get out of the house, yeah. like get out, go do our own thing. Um, so yeah, no, it was definitely not forced. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm sure slightly encouraged, but I don't know. It was definitely more of a, you know, our choice yeah. from so what I remember. Were, were both your parents stay at home parents to teach you or how did that part work? Yeah. Um, my dad worked full time. Okay. Um, he was in land surveying, so he owned his own business and worked with that and mom stayed home full time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And teaching eight kids, how did, how did that work out? Um, well, some of us were close enough in age that she'd kind of combine us into the same grade. Perfect. So like my two older brothers were schooled together. My older sister and I kind of were mostly schooled together. And then the younger ones were a little more spread out. So she had to, you know, break it up. But I think that definitely helped. Um, and then it was, I think again, with that, it was a good balance of like some subjects she would like actually teach us. And then a lot of it was kind of self-taught, like, you know, read the lesson. If you have any questions, ask me, but otherwise like, read the lesson, do the work. And, you know, yeah. she, you know, look over everything when we were done. So I think it was a kind of cool balance of, I mean, I would say like in high school, I feel, I feel like there was a little bit more of a lag. I, she just didn't have, you know, the kind of 
she couldn't really take us that far. Right. But I feel like in high school there was, and we actually took a lot. We did some like online classes, you know, kind of took more out. But I feel like there was a lot more. Where I was like, I just don't really get this. Like, I don't think this is something I'd teach myself. Mm. Um, but still, like, I see again, like a lot of benefits and like you know, we had some teaching. We definitely understood what we were learning, but there was a lot of like kind of just figure it out, <laughs> and a lot of it is yeah. you just kind of figure well, it out. So it's having cool. a the the podcast beforehand, I thought there was just like a handful of like people that did homeschooling and i was like ah, i don't really know how this works works out um but since the yeah. podcast there's been a lot of people that do homeschooling and that's the one thing is you're gonna you're gonna have to figure it out because you don't have someone there to be like yes this is how it is and handhold it's like hey if you finish early you can go outside and so there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of finishing early and like figuring it out yeah and I think there's two with, I was schooled with my older sister. Yeah. And so there's it was a little bit like a love above my level, but I am very competitive. And like, there was no way she was going to do better than me mm-hmm. in like anything. So I was a very like <laughs> overachiever, uh, but it was fun. Like, yeah. So, so what did a typical day of, let's say like middle school look for you at, at your house in Texas? Um, well, I guess, so I was kind of like a middle child. So I feel like that also played into like my experience. Um, so we, I mean, kind of on the older end. So my sister and I would always have to get up and make breakfast first thing. We always had like a family breakfast. Um, my mom was always like taking care of the younger kids, you know, earlier on in the day, but we would, yeah, make breakfast. And then she was really good about, she'd make literally like these graphs of like schedules of who does what, when. So we always kind of had, you know, and if we were ever, doing something, you know, messing around or something. She's like, are you doing what you're supposed to do? Like, go check the schedule. Um, so yeah, we would have, you know, very, we all had to get up and have breakfast by a certain time. We had breakfast together. And then there was kind of a loosely framed, like, you know, one child works with mom at some point while the other kids are kind of all doing this. And so it was mainly, I guess, like from like eight 30 to 12 ish, we kind of had our structured like school time, um, within there too. Like it was, you know, we definitely had chores, you know, we had to yeah. make breakfast, clean up breakfast, put laundry and that kind of thing. But a lot of, most of the time it was kind of the morning time was like spent on school. And then after that, like, as long as you were finished up with everything from the morning, we had the whole afternoon to just do whatever. And we spent all day outside. <laughs> <laughs> like even, I mean, it was hot there, but we would, uh, we'd set up, we'd get little, like the little kiddie pools, yeah. literally, you know, like the size of a person. And we would, you know, get wet in those and then play around like, yeah. um, yeah. So we spent most of the afternoon outside and then, you know, by dinner time, we have to come in and get cleaned up and help make dinner and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. That was a, that was kind of a typical day. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, I was just we had as, as a new parent, there's a lot of parents out there that are being like, oh yeah, sometimes you get a good kid. Sometimes you don't like the parenting is not, not that. Not that it matters all that much, but it, it matters a little bit. But with eight kids, uh, did it ever go terribly wrong? It sounds like your mom had a pretty good system going there. Um. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure things went wrong all the time. I feel like I was very much a, like, achiever. Like, yeah. I wanted to do well. Um, so, I guess in my experience, like, things went pretty well. But I know, um, I mean, there were definitely some of my other siblings that were not so, like, focused on doing what they're supposed to or doing the next thing. Right. Um, there's that. Yeah. And then, I mean, there were always the babies that she had to deal with. So as much as she was like, you know, giving attention to older kids and helping that, um, oh yeah, there's definitely, 
<laughs> all kinds of things all <laughs> over the place. Um, yeah, I have mad respect for my mom for even like being able to handle all of that. Um, but I do know sometimes by the end of the day, she was like, dad would get home and she was like, I just need a break. <laughs> yeah, And I don't blame her at all. We, we have a uh, six month old and a dog. And sometimes Jessica and I look at ourselves like, oh, <laughs> We're pretty tired. We, and we both stay at home. <laughs> like we're both helping each other. So like it's really <laughs> we, we after this, I'll tell her and she's going to be like, yeah. don't tell me that I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like our life is still difficult. <laughs> so yeah. what were you guys making for breakfast? Uh, we had oatmeal Okay, every morning. Uh, yeah, we would get a big 50 pound bag of rolled oats and then kind of divvy it up into like these five gallon bins. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Every morning was oatmeal. I, I got really like we got, well, we'd have oatmeal every day during the week. And then on the weekend we could have cold cereal, but, um, like Cheerios, raisin bran, whatever. Um, I remember getting like so burnt out on oatmeal and I was like, why do we always have this now? So I took a break, like as a like late teenager, yeah. I was kind of more on my own demand thing. Now I've come back to it. I love oatmeal every morning for breakfast. And I think it also made sense economically mm-hmm. to oh, just yeah. give us all oatmeal. Like keep some fed and it's not very yep. expensive. So, are, yeah. are we throwing oatmeal in any, every like, morning. raisins, brown sugar, um, cinnamon? Yeah. So we actually had a, a system for that. We would make a big pot of oatmeal and then everybody would get served, you know, their portion and the oatmeal is just plain oatmeal. There were four topping options and you couldn't combine some of them. So it was applesauce and milk. Were the, like the two, like you can combine about anything. Um, raisins and brown sugar were like the the treats. Okay. So you couldn't do raisins and brown sugar. You could do one or the other. So yeah, those those were our four like designated toppings. Yeah. And you could either do, you know, you could do one or the other, but mm-hmm. couldn't do both of those. <laughs> yep. Um. So what? So, what was there a rush to to finish your food because your brother and sister is going to come get some more, or was it pretty controlled? It was pretty controlled. Um, now, like looking back, I think, well, I guess, uh, the oatmeal was pretty like designated, like it was divvied up and that was what you got for that day. Um, I think lunch and dinner were definitely a little bit more that way. Um, we would have bread with every meal. Like my dad liked bread, so we'd have bread, but there was something at dinner. So at dinner time, sorry, we'd have bread with, with dinner, every meal. Um, and we couldn't have a second serving of bread until we finished everything off else on our plate. Okay. So there was definitely a race to, to get more bread. <laughs> um, and there was definitely a little bit of like, you know, got to eat faster. I don't think it was even super conscious. It wasn't like, Oh, there's not enough food. We're all hungry. It was just like, eat, get more. Yeah. Like, so I think, yeah, I definitely eat a lot faster than most people <laughs> do. And I think I can blame it back yeah. on that a little bit. Um, so yeah. going through middle school, did we do any organized sports or what, did, what did everything outside the house look like? Um, no, we did nothing sports wise at all. Um, it was something in the kind of in the culture we grew up in, like my older brothers did a little soccer league. Um, and then my younger brothers did one, but it was just not something that us girls did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, we did, my dad had played soccer okay. in high school, I guess. So that was something, I guess that was, you know, kind of his sport, I guess. Um, so we would kick the soccer ball around a lot. We would play like as a family with other friends of the family. So we played a little bit of like soccer, like just kind of for fun. Um, and then we also got into like, I guess as a teenager into volleyball, so okay. we played a lot of volleyball. We had a court set up in our backyard and, or just a, a net, just a net set up in our backyard. Um, 
again, I mean, yeah, nothing official, but like my sister and I, especially, we would play volleyball all day long. Yeah. <laughs> we loved it. Um, but yeah, nothing organized. Um, we'd get together with friends sometimes and, you know, do a little bit of something, but, um, yeah, just, just kind of so, being kids, which yeah. in some ways, like I kind of look back and I'm like, man, I wish I'd done sports, but at the same time, I think it's helped me into what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Like having had zero pressure on me as a kid, there was no expectations. There's no sports. Like now I found sports on my own. That's my thing that I want to do. And like, I get to do it all. Like there's no, there's no like, ah, uh, like, you know, almost like PTSD from a lot of, I mean, a lot of these sports schedules with kids are pretty intense and that's a lot for kids to have to deal with. Yes. So, um, yeah, I was, I was upset about it for a little while and I'm like, oh, I think we're, I'm doing all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Growing up yeah. playing soccer, there was always, we'd have about two or three practices a week and then games on weekends and like tournaments and stuff like that. That was really fun. But now it's like practice two or three times a week. And then you're going to like your speed trainer and then you're going to your strength and conditioning coach. And it's like, you guys are in middle school. Like what is yeah. going on here? Yeah. Wow. Um, but so when we're moving into high school, is there something are you being pushed in a certain direction as far as like what you want to learn? Do you have any specific uh, subjects that you enjoy learning at that point? Um, no, no, not really. Uh, I did. I did like math. Okay. I was good at math. I enjoyed math. But then once I got into, um, um, not even algebra, algebra two, and then um, calculus. Maybe it was that. There's I love geometry. I love yeah. yeah. It was so trigonometry was the one that I was like, nah, I'm just this is just not <laughs> my head. Um but yeah, so I enjoyed math. I was very good at like uh we read a lot, so I was very good at spelling was mm -hmm. my thing. Like I could outspell like all my older siblings, which again was like a big deal for me. Um uh yeah, just um there was a very there wasn't really a lot of like outside direction, outside pressure of like, okay, like what's next, that kind of thing. Um, I think my parents were just kind of, you know, you figure you out. Um, there was always the option. My dad owned a land surveying business. Yep. So there was always the option of like working with him. We could learn AutoCAD, like the computer side of it. We could work within the field. So my older brothers worked with him in the field, learned AutoCAD that. Um, I didn't really, uh, I didn't have a lot of direction. Um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, you need to figure something out. Um, there was a lot of, I, I guess, almost the unspoken expectation is like, well, you'll probably like get married and start a family. And so that was kind of more or less the plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there was, you know, kind of do what you want to do and whatever. Um, so I pretty much as soon as I finished up high school, like 17, I just started working. Okay. Um, I started nannying, um, and then I also started working with horses and that was kind of, I guess I kind of went into horses for a little bit. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of it. There was no, definitely no push for higher education, no like pressure towards it. And I did some like, um, CLEP courses, like at the end, tail end of high school, where like you basically study for the college class and then go in and take the test and it's pass or fail. If you pass, you get the credits, gotcha. if you fail, it's not. So I stacked up some credits that way. 
And I was kind of, but I, again, like I just had no direction. I was like, mm. you know, maybe I'll get it, go, you know, do the college It was also very, I mean, obviously eight kids. It's not like they're sending us to school. So <laughs> if we were going to go to school, we were paying for it ourselves. Yeah. So I think that was a lot why it was like, you know, I'll just start working. Sure. And, um, I came back, I did a semester of college when I was like 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very, I was just kind of like, okay, like, that was cool. I kind of enjoyed it. It was cool having like other teachers and like people that really knew their subject. Um, yes. To really like be able to. So I enjoyed it, but I was kind of like, I don't really have anything that right. I'm trying to pursue that needs an education. So, so, so pulling it back. Yeah, to, kind of that. So pulling it back to horses. Um, was that mm-hmm. something that like you saw a lot of horses around? You're like, Oh, this would be fun. Or is the job offer kind of just popped up. It was, I mean, I think horses are definitely more common in South Texas than maybe other places, yeah. uh, but it was definitely something that I was like, I want to work with horses. I'd always loved horses way out of our, but like not something we could ever get. Um, but that was, I just really wanted to work with them. So I actually called around several barns in the area and was like, are you hiring? Like, do you need any help with horse? So I ended up working. It was kind of, that kind of took me, I, well, I think I, I like, I was very interested in it and it took me to some really neat places. I worked for one barn, just kind of cleaning stalls, feeding horses through somebody from that barn. I started working at another one where, um, she's doing a little bit more training and I was able to do a lot more riding. And then, um, also worked in another barn that was doing a lot of training. Um, so I kind of like just through working, learned a lot, yeah. was able to ride a lot of different horses and then kind of as it through all that, I got an opportunity to go, um, I moved out East to Virginia to actually like pursue it full time really? as summer. Yeah. Um, found out very quickly that requires, especially this field, I think pretty much anything in horses requires a lot of money and yes. <laughs> pretty also pretty much requires a lot of like background in the sport. Okay. Like if you don't have family that has done it or, you know, have a very, like a very solid foundation in it, it's hard to really like go somewhere in it. So I tried for a summer, had a mostly great experience and by the end of that i was like nah not for me yeah i, um, I but, know a couple people that that ride horses and they say that some of the judging and things of that nature is controversial i'm like i don't know <laughs> there's there's all kinds of, i mean with anything there's going to be all kinds of stuff in there um but yeah you know followed the horse thing for kind of as long as i could and then at the tail end of that realizing like eh, this is really not for me um I think that got me into the more like physically fit side of things. Yeah. And I had ended up finding Spartan and got involved in Spartan from there. So Spartan racing, yep. all of it. <laughs> so, um, so, so it was kind of the, the lead up to it. Right, right back to the horses real quick. What type of training were you doing? Cause I assume is Texas going to be the same as uh, all the other stuff that's going on or what, what, what are you doing? Like barrel racing or what, what type of stuff are you getting into? So I actually did a little bit of everything. There's basically two main disciplines in horse riding. There's English riding, there's Western riding. So English riding is um, going over the jumps. It's the dressage where they're basically like, um, it's the very like intricate details of controlling the horse. So there's English riding. And then on Western, you have um, reining is basically they're like fine tuning the intricate, like the details of the horse. And then their show side of it is rodeo. So that's you know, barrel racing, team roping, um, uh, cutting all of that kind of stuff. So that's like, so 
I start the first barn that I worked at was more of an English focused barn and they did eventing, which is a combination of the jumping, the dressage and the cross country course. Um, from there I worked for another English barn, but I also started working at a Western barn. That was actually one of like the top reigning trainers in the country. Okay. Um, so that was very Western. So kind of started as English did, but like kind of got more training, I guess worked more with like the top level people in raining. Um, I rode a barrel riding horse. There's some, um, she was like, I never competed, but, um, got to do all that. But the opportunity to go out to Virginia was actually with English riding. Gotcha. So that was, so kind of (laughs) literally I've kind of done it all. Um, done the jumping, I've done the barrels, I've done the raining, the, you know, the fast offs. I've even done a little bit of like cutting with, you know, the cutting horses. Um, so 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 yeah. so knowing the the few I want to say I know like six friends that that have ridden horses, but they they have ridden them since a very young age. That does not sound like what you did. No, no. When I at I think I was seventeen, eighteen, I had called this barn and they said no, they didn't have any work. But then I called back two weeks later and they said actually our barn girl just quit. Like, can you come work for us? I was like, yes. So I showed up there and basically my job was going to be cleaning out stalls. And then all the horses got turned out to pasture during the day. And so at evening I was going to bring them in. So I cleaned out stalls. Like there was a lady that like kind of showed me the basic of how to clean out a stall because I didn't know what I was doing. And then when I went to get the horses, they, the halter that goes around their head that you like, you know, lead them with, I had no idea how to put the halter on. And so she was like, you know, this part goes around the nose, you put this around the ears. I was like, okay, cool. So that was my introduction was literally like, let me work and I'll show up and I learned the job. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So when you first, I wanted to work with horses. When you first started riding, did you have some, any type of anxiety or it was just, here we go? No, not at all. So I will say like, we had friends, my dad had an aunt in Colorado. Like, so I probably rode a horse like once or twice a year growing up. And That's it was very still much not like, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but there was some level of like, yeah. and then, and then, so the, the, a huge thing with horses is not being afraid of them. Yeah. Like not only can they pick up on that, but like you can't ride them well if you're too scared to ride them. Right. Like that's just kind of it. So I definitely didn't have a fear of them at that first barn that I worked at. There wasn't like an option for me to ride, but I started watching different horses. So it was a boarding. Most of the people boarded yeah. their horses there. And some people would hop on their horses and ride them bareback. So I was like, huh, when I was there, when there wasn't a lot of people there, the ones that I knew were cool with somebody hopping on their back, I would hop on their back and ride them in from the pasture. Very cool. So I kind of ride that way. So I rode a lot bareback and there's a lot, like, obviously there's a, a use for saddles. There's a point to them. Some things you would never do without a saddle, but I think I learned a lot riding bareback, just being me and the horse and having to kind of figure out, um, so that barn, the other barn that I ended up working at, the other English barn, um, she was like, they had a bunch of property. They had a big pond in the back. And she was like, you can ride. Well, there's some horses I could ride. And she's like, you can ride them whenever. So with that one, I was like feeding the morning and evening. And either before or after feeding, I would hop on a horse and I would just ride that horse all over. On my day off, all the horses had turned out and I'd literally just like sit on the back of the horse and just ride around. So I just wanted to like be on a horse and be riding. And not a lot of people one get that opportunity. No. Um, and then I think hugely too, like I had zero fear. I've fallen off of plenty of horses, but it's very much like there, you can kind of figure out like what to expect and, you know, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
uh, yeah, just kind of figured it out. It did a lot of bareback riding, which I think was a huge benefit. Um, actually the opportunity that I got to go out East was there was a guy that came to this barn that was doing like a clinic. Um, he basically travels around and teaches you how to fall off safely because in horses you fall off yep. a lot. So it kind of combined like a gymnastics plus falling off and basically like how to fall off safely. Um, so he was there doing this course and he's from the East coast, I think from Maryland. And he saw me riding. I came out there to feed in the morning and was out riding in the field. And he made the comment that I have a very good sense of balance that some people like can't like a lot of people can't even learn that, yeah. which I attribute very much to like one, just being like decently athletic, like naturally athletic, but also riding bareback a lot. So that was what he was like that, that, that level of balance and like, um, I guess control over your own body on the horse was like, so he was the one that got me that opportunity to go out East, which mm. was kind of cool. It was just from me riding and having a basic, you know, I guess, you know, comfortability level. Yeah. On horse. No, that's, so. that's amazing. We're going to wind it back just a little bit more. You mentioned you would go see your aunt in Colorado. How was it traveling with so many kids? Um, we, so we road trip actually kind of a lot. We, we had moved to Texas, but most of my dad's family and some of my mom's family too was in Arizona. Okay. So almost every year, sometimes in the summer, sometimes like Christmas in the winter, we would road trip all the way back to Arizona. Um, it was, we, by the time I think my seventh sibling or the seventh one was born, we got a 15 passenger van. So this van 50? had like, 15, oh, 15. <laughs> yeah. 15 <laughs> passenger van. So basically like we had three rows of seating and then they'd take out the back seat. So we had plenty of room for storage in the back. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the biggest thing is we'd have to stop for the bathroom all the time for the little kids. Um, we would, um, sometimes we'd have, we'd normally try to like drive, like sometimes we would get a hotel halfway. Yeah. A lot of times like in El Paso area, driving from San Antonio. Um, and we would get one hotel room. Um, my mom, we'd get one hotel room with like two queen beds and a couch. And my mom would go and check in and then she'd bring us all through the back door. Um, but we had a little, a little setup where mom and dad got a bed. Um, my two sisters and I would share a bed. My two older brothers would get the couch and then the two to three little kids would sleep on the floor in between the beds. So I think that's kind of the most like, yeah, we would, and we'd do that fairly often. Like if we had yeah. to get a hotel room, we'd get a hotel room, but it was not nothing to lots. Like, it was just, you know, we were just there for the night right. basically. Um, I feel like a lot of the traveling we did was to visit family. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do a lot of like state parks, national parks, like sightseeing. Obviously we didn't do many, anything that like was going to cost a lot of money because trying to pay for 10 people to do anything wasn't, right. <laughs> wasn't going to go over well. Um, so yeah, just a lot of visiting family, but we had family all over the place. So my mom has a lot of family out on the East coast. Um, so if we were traveling for, I know we went to like weddings a couple of times or something, we always had family yeah. to stay with, to visit. Um, and that was, I guess my dad's aunt in Colorado was one that he had spent summers with okay. as a kid or some summers. So I think that was the reason we always went back there was, you know, he kind of had that like, and she had, you know, they lived on the, on the Western slope. So, um, you know, we didn't spend any time in like Colorado Springs, Denver is always over on the Western slope. We'd go up to Durango. Um, and she had, you know, a, a cool like ranch and horses yeah. and cows and like, yeah. So it was always really fun to, 
to go visit them. And we do it fairly, fairly often, I'd say, you know, every year, every other year. So mm-hmm. now yeah. since, since it seems like family is such a big deal, obviously, since you have them in your house as well, um, was that something that like your family tried to say, Hey, family is always important. Or is that more something they just showed you? They definitely just showed. Um, and I think some of my siblings, I think I really picked up on that. And I'm not sure some of the other siblings did. We're now like my immediate family now is very spread out. Mm. And there's definitely varying levels of priority, which I think is, I think they definitely just showed it like to them, family was important connections, like um, kind of that bond, but they didn't, they didn't really say a whole lot about it. Mm. Um, I definitely see the value in it. Like, and I've even, you know, connected with, you know, mom's cousins and dad's cousins and like, you know, kind of the extended family. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not across the board and it was just kind of something I think they valued and mm. some of us picked up on it. Some of us didn't. All right. So we're going back to Virginia. Uh, how did you find Spartan? I'd done Spartans, uh, I guess this summer, no, I guess right before I moved to Virginia, I had heard about them, like a bunch of my friends were doing them. And I was like, you know, these tough mutters, these Spartans. So this was, um, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, I was going to do a tough mutter with my friend, but then that didn't work out. I was going to go, she lived in Ohio. I was going to go do it with her. Um, so I ended up, I was like, I found one in Texas, told my sisters like, Hey, we should do this. Come do this with me. It looks like fun. So we did our first tough mutter and it was a 12 mile and we were not runners. Um, we just kind of did it. And I, that was huge. Cause I like, it was really muddy. It was really rainy. Everybody was walking. We were also like in the afternoon, you know? And I remember thinking like, this isn't a big deal. Like I thought people were running 12 miles and like, they're just out here, like walking around and kind of doing obstacles or kind of not. Yeah. I was like, what's the big deal about <laughs> this? So, but I had heard or like somehow that like Spartans were more difficult. So end of 2016, I went and did a Spartan beast. And again, I did that one in the afternoon. That, that was your first one. I think since I had done the tough mutter, the 12 mile one, I was like, what's 13, you know? Um, and again, and by this time I knew like, well, everybody walks them. So, yeah. um, anyway, so went out and did that one. And again, it was in the afternoon, everybody was walking. I tried to like run some, but it was very like, like, you know, none of the obstacles were super challenging for, you know, somebody that can do basic obstacles. Correct. Like it's <laughs> nothing crazy. So I was like, I don't get what the big deal is with this, but I say, thankfully, like, so this was end of 2016. I was like, whatever. But I knew they had like these three distances and you get a trifecta. And I didn't understand that it was supposed to be within a calendar year. So I was like, okay, I'll do the other two distances and then I'll be good. You know? So, you know, spring of 2017, um, they have one in Austin. So my sister and I went and did the super and, um, we did the super, we had to do the elite wave because we had worked later. So we ran in the elite. And I remember at the start line, they were talking about like, oh, some of you are like here to make a name for yourselves. And my sister and I were like, we're standing at the back of the crowd. Like, this is like, whatever. Anyway, so we ran it. I waited for her a lot. She had a lot of, she's a little bit shorter. Okay. So that was her. <laughs> like, she had a hard time on the monkey bars, all kinds of stuff. So I waited for her. She did all her burpees. You know, we just like had fun. Um, and then we finished that one. It was like, you know, whatever. So that summer I moved out East and I did, um, I found a sprint there in Virginia and I was like, perfect. There's my sprint. I'll be good. Well, at that sprint, 
I met somebody that worked for Spartan and was talking about like, he was like, oh, the top finishers are going to finish soon. I was volunteering. Okay. I, I found out like you can volunteer and yep. then, um, run for free. So I was volunteering there and they were like, um, oh, the first finishers are going to finish soon. I was like, what? And so we like looked across, you know, and like, he was like, oh, and he like knew the names of them. I was like, whatever. But that race, I decided like, I'm going to try to like run it fast. Yeah. Like see if I can do it as fast as I can. And I ended up getting like, first in the open wave at that race like i gave it a good effort and um but also so there i'm gonna I got, try he was he was, he was well because before then i was just kind of like okay sure let's try um or let's you know just kind of do it um anyways he talked about like the elites like oh yeah there's a lot of people he said there's people that like do one in one state fly to another state and do another which i was like what? That's crazy. And now I do that today. So, um, but I didn't, I didn't realize like I knew nothing about like the elite yeah. side of things. Um, and I don't know that he even, he might've mentioned money. Like obviously they're doing it for money, yeah. but, um, anyways, so I was kind of like, whatever. And at that race, he also mentioned that there's an ultra beast. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's an ultra beast, um, where you do like the beast course twice. And I was like, that's crazy. But then he, the, the cutoff was generous. And I was like, I could probably like walk that and be done in test. And I kind of want to try that. So, um, yeah, I went into the summer was really busy with work, but at the end of the summer, I was like, I'm going to do some more of these Spartans. And I'd figured out how to do them mostly for free mm. by volunteering and then running. So I did, uh, I went up to Canada and did two up there. And I actually like placed at the, I did a beast and like got third place. So, I was, like, so is that, cool. that, the, that the first one that you placed in? Yeah. And that was my first, I mean, besides the one I did with my sister in Austin running elite, that was my first actual elite race. Um, so I got third there. I was like, this is pretty cool. I got like fifth in the super the next day. And then I went down to Vermont and I didn't know until I went to Vermont that it's like Killington and they call it, you know, his Joe's playground. Like this, it's apparently one of the most difficult races there. So I did the beast there and got like fifth. I actually ended up, I coined back. This was back when you got a coin, if you qualified for the world championships. Mm -hmm. So in Canada, I coined and I got this little coin. I came down to Vermont the next weekend and ended up coining there. Cause you can only coin once in each country basically. And they were like, Lindsay Webster is the only one that does that. But I, I got my two coins. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. So I did the Vermont ones and then, came back to Texas and did the Texas ultra beast yeah. at the end of October and got third there as well. So I got my, you know, another little podium plaque and coming back to Texas, I ended up meeting a lot of people that were very involved and got more involved in it from there. Um, got involved with the gym that I was involved with for the past four years, um, did some training and it was just kind of, a, it's kind of been a steady build. So what did, what did your training look like while you were getting fifth in Canada? literally nothing. Um, I had planned, so I was working, I was working every day with horses. Like, so there's basic level of like some, some strength. I did a lot of handstands, like walking on my hands, which I think gave me a decent bit of upper body strength. Yeah. And then, um, riding is a huge, like leg strength thing. So I was doing that a lot. The one thing I had planned to run that summer, but I knew nothing about running, did not like running. Um, but there was a course that there's property like across the road from the barn that we would ride the horses on. Yeah. And they had a cross country course for the horses set up there, but the local cross country course came out and marked out a 5k course. Okay. So I ran that 5k course on this cross country, you know, um, 
once before going up to Canada. And that was kind of like, okay, I ran three miles. Cool. Um, no, That's my phenomenal. training was literally zero. <laughs> it was literally zero. Um, yeah. And I know that that race in Canada, I did a lot of like a run for a bit and then, okay, I'm going to take a break and walk. Like I'm kind of tired. And then, okay, I'll run some. I'm going to take a break and walk. Um, and I, I, I was like not into running at all. So I think it was a huge benefit having the obstacles where I was like, I'll run. Then I get to do an obstacle. Like, okay, now I'll try to run to the next obstacle and I get to do the obstacle. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so when did it start picking up for you where you're like, Hey, I should probably train a little bit more for this. What did that look like? It was after I came, I did not train at all going into that ultra beast and it almost killed me. Um, I ran really fast the first 15 miles because I was like, yeah, let's go. As soon as the second lap started, my hip flexors locked up and I like every step hurt. Yeah. So, um, I came, I came back from that one destroyed, but it wasn't until, um, meeting more people there and then getting involved with the gym. I literally went to one of the gym owners and I was like, look, this is so beginning of 2018, very beginning of 2018. I was like, look, like I'm doing pretty okay at these, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and I know I could get way better. So I was like, please help me. Um, and he ended up, I don't, I don't really have a coach, but if I had a coach, it would be him. Mm -hmm. Um, he just, you know, kind of helped me with workouts, gave me tips, gave me suggestions, like all kinds of things. Um, and it was just, it, it took a while to get into like a training mindset, right. anything. Cause I was just coming from like, oh, I, you know, I like to work. I like to be outside, but like, I don't know about all this training stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, but it was definitely being involved at the gym there and working with uh, the owner that I was kind of so finally has progressed into what, what type of gym training. was this? Was this like a strength and conditioning, a CrossFit gym, functional fitness? It was actually, it's functional fitness. Um, it was started, the two owners started it after running a Spartan race and realizing like, oh, this is like very functional fitness. And like, so they kind of started with a boot camp and then created this gym. So this gym was group classes, CrossFit style, but no barbells are like in the regular programming yeah. because at the end of the day, they're not a very functional piece of equipment. Um, so it was group classes. And then the, their big part of the gym was filled with all kinds of obstacles. So they Very had cool. literally like every kind of obstacle, which I was like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Like I'm about the obstacles. The workouts were a bit of like a little bit of teeth pulling to get me into the uh, workouts, but I was like, I'll play on the obstacles all day. Um, yeah. So it was literally the most perfect gym I could have gotten involved with was like the, the focus or they, they, it originated from OCR, but the focus really was just basic fitness, which I needed. Yeah. I think like, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm about this OCR, but like I have regular fitness. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, pretty cool. So what, um, what did, when you, for, when you started getting training heavily in it, what did a week look like of training for you? That took a while to evolve. I wouldn't say like I started heavily training, like right off the bat. Um, he started trying to get me to do runs. So, um, for, he let me use his watch. And then he was like, you have to get a GPS watch. You're like, just get a watch. Um, so he would basically, he, he tried to do a little bit of like heart rate, like keep your heart rate lower and run for longer. Um, very like getting into it. I had a lot of my knee issues, which ended up being like related to it band. So I actually, I, my running volume was probably very low okay. for the first bit because I was dealing with that kind of stuff. So I had to learn about 
oh, foam rolling and stretching and, you know, warming up and that kind of stuff. Um, so I would do the running was the biggest thing that I like needed to grow in. Um, the basic workouts I had no, like I never worked out before. So I think my body coordination was ridiculous, but, um, I, I'd say I caught on fairly quickly, um, just in the group classes. Um, uh, so I'd start, but I would mainly, I think the main focus for a while was like runs and then like almost not just the group classes, but like extra workouts. Like, you know, he had me doing, I guess, bucket carries and sandbag carries and burpees and sled pushes and like things they wouldn't do in a typical workout, but he was trying to like, I guess I think kind of like feel me out, like right. what can this girl even do? And then, um, yeah. Then he found out you so, can do it all. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. So yeah, it, it definitely evolved from there to where then I was coming to classes every day. I was doing extra workouts, made friends there. We'd do extra workouts together. We'd do a lot of tire pulling to help with my running form. Um, we'd do sprint workouts, like, you know, so it, it definitely like grew from there, but it started with just like, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. how, how long did it take um, for you? Well, I guess you were podium already, but when you were doing the classes and started working out more regularly, like what did your races look like then? Um, I was still just doing, or I mostly just did for that first year, did a lot of like local Texas races okay. and I would pretty much podium at almost every one. Um, so there wasn't, it was a little bit difficult because there wasn't a lot of pressure of like, I need to improve a lot. It was like, ah, I'm doing pretty okay. And like things I would, I guess, I guess one of the biggest things we would do is on Saturday, we'd do a race sim where they would, we'd run, we had like a loop, we'd run, and then we'd come in and do an obstacle or two right. or, you know, a combination of those. I think that was hugely beneficial to make me realize like where I struggled, which was the running. I would have to walk on that run sim. Yeah. But then it was also as I started getting better and I realized like in between the obstacles, I'm able to like run a decent pace. Like this is feeling better. This is feeling easier. Um, I think that first year, 2018, I think I went and um, yeah, I ended up, I went to OCRWC and ran an age group or sorry, I went to NORAM, North American and ran an age group and won my, uh, no, I think I won one race and got second in another race. Um, because one of the elites dropped down to the age group for that. But for the most part, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm doing fine in my age group. Um, like I need to go up to elite, but that was everywhere else. I ran elite except for at Norris. Right. I was like, I know I'm not on that elite level. Um, yeah. So I just kind of, it was, I think it was, it took a good year of just like racing. I do, you know, race a month or two, you know, um, I, I mean, I did a lot of different ones even then. Cause I was like, what can I do? So since I'd done that ultra beast, I was like, I'm going to do a 50 miler. So I did a 50 miler. Um, I did, you know, all the local, like, I think I did a rugged maniac. I did a warrior dash, like just these basic ones, but just getting the feel for just like right. racing and kind of figuring all that out. Um, yeah. Did Norams. Um, and then it was probably like the next year. I, I don't know. It was just kind of this progressive, like, start just, just local, but it took, I definitely was not, I liked the racing. Like that was, that right. was what I enjoyed about it. So I would do what I had to do during the week so that I could go race on the weekend. Um, and definitely did not put the priority on the training until probably, you know, the following year where I realized like, you know what, I should probably be running every day. So I started running with people from the gym. I did a lot of like very aerobic running with people from the gym that 
like, I, I guess I started, um, getting involved in the, um, the teaching the kids classes and kind of stuff. So I was kind of in a, like in a higher level there at the gym. So I was like, Oh, you want to run? Like I'll run with you. So I would start, I started running with all kinds of people at the gym that were running a lot slower, but it yeah. was great training for me. Cause I was just running slowly and running steady. So probably by the end of 2018, um, maybe I think by the end of 2018, I was finally, I was kind of building up my mileage mm. to like, something sort even now, like, I think I run a lot less per week than a lot of pros do or something. Um, but I, that was something that like my the coach, the owner there pushed a lot was like quality over quantity. Like you don't need to be doing a ton, right. just make your good ones count. Um, so, yeah, as, so as far as the running slower to run faster, more or less, what is your understanding mm -hmm. of why that works? Um, you have to build up your, heart conditioning like as much as you build like i feel like the sprinting builds up your body's speed but if you're not running and like having your body your heart rate at a slightly elevated heart rate for long periods of time your heart rate your heart just is not conditioned mm. for it that's kind of i don't know that's how it's worked for me where i'm like running for an hour at a very slow pace did a lot more for me than trying to like run three miles as fast as i could every day like so it's that kind of thing of just running and just keeping that heart rate elevated um it kind of gave me a base that i didn't especially know that i needed yeah. but once i got it i was like okay <laughs> this is really valuable um yeah yeah i usually and just builds up t builds up time on feed mm -hmm. like all of that so yeah i usually like to describe it as like yeah it's your fuel tank for that types of things if you don't have a fuel tank like you're gonna die you're not gonna be able to go yeah. that far <laughs> Yeah, um, gotta have that. So, what were you doing for work outside of the gym at that point? Um, I nannied for a little bit. Okay. Um, I I moved out there to be with somebody. Um, and uh, so I didn't really. There wasn't like a huge requirement for me to work full time. Yeah. But I nannied for several months, and then I worked at an office for several months, and then I ended up going full time at the gym. Okay. Um, Probably a year and a half later, I got involved like first with the summer camps and then got involved with the coaching, that kind of thing. So then I was full-time at the gym for two years. Um, yeah. So what, what did a day of eating look like if, uh, so we have oatmeal for breakfast, uh, <laughs> and what, what did we get into after that? I am not somebody to ask about eating. Um, I'm very, um, I guess I just kind of eat whatever I can find. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of times it was whatever leftovers I can find in the fridge, I'll bring with me to work for lunch. Um, I like to eat, like I'm very big on eating. I get, uh, in my later high school years, I got very chubby from like overeating yeah. to the, literally where I was just like, I love food. I want to eat it all. And I would eat until I was stuffed. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like, you know, eight, I guess 17, 18, 19, where I was like, you know what? I can just eat until I'm satisfied. So I kind of had this weird, like I can eat a lot, but I also don't need to eat a lot. Right. And I kind of found that like weird, like, so some days I would like eat really well. Some days I'd kind of forget to eat and not eat. Um, but yeah, I honestly just kind of eat whatever. There were a lot of families there at the gym that were like, Oh, you can like come eat dinner with us. So I ate a lot of dinner, at other people's houses. Um, I did meal prepping for a while where I would like prep like healthy meals and I'd bring that with me every time. Um, yeah, it's kind of been all over the place mm -hmm. and just kind of, I found like, I learned a lot about like healthy eating and like 
good, good eating, just like real food kind of thing. So I felt like I definitely avoid a lot of like processed stuff. I don't do a lot of fast food at all. Like I'd rather go to a grocery store and get some kind of food yeah. than go to fast food. Um, but yeah, um, I was just kind of eating whatever. There was a restaurant right next door. So I'd get sandwiches from there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, yeah. I think that's the toughest thing for athletes because as you're saying, well, I'm not, I'm not the best asked for, but like a regular person, if they eat just like whole foods and stuff like that, their en- their energy expenditure during a day is not too much. But <laughs> if, if you're working out and coaching classes and stuff like that, if you have to eat all whole foods to, to get all those calories in, that's, that's going to be a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what did your pre-race uh, meals look like? Um, pre-race, I like to do a banana. And if I get up early enough, because sometimes I kind of sleep in, um, I like to do a bag of cream cheese. Okay. That's like, as long as I do that like two hours before, that's kind of my perfect, like, all right, I've eaten some good food. I've got something in my stomach. I'm good. And then a banana and um, pretty much good. I don't bring fuel with me on runs ever yeah. or mostly never. Um, and not during most races, definitely not like OCR races. Right. I found, um, the second ultra I did, I brought nothing and actually kind of bonked. So this last one that I did, I did bring, somebody gave me a couple of like little gel packet things yeah. that I ate and like noticed that was huge. Um, but for the most part, I mean, those are like 30 miles. So anything under 20 miles, like I don't really eat anything while running. Um, you just make sure to eat afterwards, mm. like a burger afterwards, burger pizza. <laughs> For sure. So the, the big races where there's a lot of elite people there and a lot of competitors, do you have a certain like mental routine that you have into? Or do you just feel prepared? Um, I just like to stretch out some. So just kind of like a basic like body mobilization and stretch. Um, and I feel like that just kind of helps me loosen up um, mentally. I don't know. I guess I would say, especially when everybody big is there, I feel like I try to kind of respect that and like realize like these are like the top of the top. Um, I always assume I will, I don't know. There's people, there's people that like, I assume I'll end up behind. And I think I kind of tell myself like, okay, those will be the front runners. But as much as I'm like, they're gone, they're good those are the people that I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Like those are the ones I want to come for. Um, I really like, I feel like, I don't know if I intentionally do it kind of subconsciously, but I very much like put zero pressure on myself for anything, except for just like, I want to be chasing down those top people. And that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I just like to, I just, I feel like if I just come to the start line, like happy, loosened up, um, ready to go like that's kind of on set from there that's awesome so So other than ocr what other types of racing do you like to do um as i got into ultra running i say too early i'm only 25 now and i've done quite a few ultras um and i've kind of told myself like oh wait till i'm older that's not happening i'm pretty i'm pretty hooked on them um so I've done some ultras, uh, mostly hundred milers um i've done a couple 50 milers cup 800k mm-hmm. 50ks um and then the on the other side of that world is the the functional fitness side of things i think being at this gym that is very um 
just functional fitness, I definitely built up some kind of an engine in that world. Um, so when DECA and Hyrox came out, DECA Fit you know, from Spartan and then Hyrox as well, um, I kind of gave them a try and was like, I'm good at these. I really like these. Um, so I really enjoy that style of racing. I feel like it's very, I like the Spartan racing for the trail. Like you're just out right. there. There's beautiful views. Like it's just enjoyable. And then I feel like the DECA Fit and the Hyrox are really like, you got to really work hard. And there's somebody right next to you that's working just as hard or harder. And I enjoy that, that side of like that, mm-hmm. that push. Um, so, yeah. So high rocks, everything. when, when you started doing that, how many times have you, have you done those races? Um, well, I did my first one early 2020 before everything shut down and I had done my third hundred miler like two weeks before. And it was very challenging, but also like it kind of, it was in the mountains and it was like a huge, like, I can do this. Like it's a huge, like feeling of accomplishment. So I'd done that two weeks before. And then this Hyrex came up and I was like, all right. So I threw myself into it. I had like zero expectations. Um, but I knew that I could complete all the, well, I had never really used a skier before, I guess. Um, but I just kind of threw it in like, (laughs) let's, let's just try it out. Um, and I ended up, um, I felt good. I felt fast after running mostly slow for a hundred miles. Like I was like, I've, I felt fast. I felt good. Um, I actually beat somebody that had come over from the OCR world. I, I think she came into the wall balls a little bit before me, Okay. but I had great wall ball form and she was really struggling and I ended up passing her up. And that was a huge, like, Whoa, like I thought she was really fit and she is high rocks was not her strength. Yeah. And I think that's the only one she's done. Um, but it was a very, like, it was very challenging. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. And, but it was also like, I did it. And I decided then I think I got, I might even got fourth or fifth, or I think with later, I think I got fourth in the wave that I was in, but I think I got bumped to like seventh, but I got first in my age group. Um, it wasn't a terrible time. I've improved a lot since then, yeah. but, um, but it was a very much like if I worked on this, I could get a lot better at it. Um, then COVID happened, everything shut down. I think 2021, they had their, like, you could qualify for your elite wave, but I was not following it at all. So I didn't come back to high rocks until the end of last year. Mm. Um, when it came back to Texas and I was like, all right, I put in a little bit of time on the sleds, on the things that I kind of knew I needed to work on. Um, and I was just way more that kind of athlete. Now I've I'd done some decas. I'd worked on the skier. I'd worked on the row or some, um, yeah. And again, when I did it at the end of 2021, with every time I've done it, I'm like, that was really fun. That really challenged me, but I know I could do better. Yeah. And so it's been really, cause OCR has kind of been like the Spartan racing. I was like, I'm doing pretty damn good. And like, I'm winning some races. Like right. it was always, I could get better at running, but I definitely, I feel like I'm about as good as I'm going to get on the obstacles the running has been the one thing that like, okay, I could improve on, I need mm. to improve on. Um, but with high rocks, I felt like it was everything. Yeah. Like I could run faster. I could push sleds faster. I know I could do burpee, you know, all of these things that I know I could do better. And there was like so much room for improvement. Yeah. It was a really like, it really like got me interested where I was like, let's go, like, let's try all this stuff. So for high yeah. rocks, how do you train? Do you train all the events at once? Do you just try to get really strong on a certain thing? How did you pick your training on that? 
I do a little bit of all of it. I definitely, I mean, I'm putting in a speed work. I do a track workout once a week mm-hmm. and I feel like any time spent, like, I mean, it'll, you know, different intervals, whatever, but I feel like that has helped my running a lot. Um, on the stations, I feel like the wall balls is one that, especially when I came back to it and did it in 2021, I struggled on those. And I was like, I should not struggle on these very much. I'm tall. I'm a little heavier. Like I'm not totally scrawny. Um, but I noticed like even my arms were having a hard time holding balls. I was like, yeah. I got to get better wall balls. So wall balls is something I work on a lot. The sled push and the sled pull are ones that like, I try to, when I'm like getting ready for, I try to push and pull a sled like every day okay. if possible. Um, the lunges is another one that like smashed me. So doing weighted lunges still hurts, but like, I feel like the weighted lunges was one farmer's carry. I've never worried about a whole lot. Oh. And then I guess the row and the ski are ones that I was like, I need to work on those. But I think I also getting involved with DECA. Like I put a lot of work in to get better at the DECA one. Right. So I noticed that carried over to higher expert. Those are definitely stations I could improve in, but I have some level of like, I'm okay at them. Um, so I feel like it was the lunges, the wall balls, and then the sleds were the biggest, like got to work on these. So I'll do a combination. I'll either do just like a basic leg workout, throwing in some of those movements. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do like, you know, basically the different stations with a run in between each one. Um, just kind of mix it up, but trying to get all those muscles working and practice those specific movements, mm-hmm. I guess. You, you were in Vegas for the last high rocks, right? Yeah. How did that go? That went very, very well. Um, I put in, I mean, this is kind of after I did the one at the end of last year in November, I was like, I want to get better at this. And it was kind of, it was nicely mapped out where November, I did that one in November in January, they had a U.S. championships. I was like, I'll do that one. And then they had the world championships, um, in May. So I kind of, my thought was like, I want to really build up and get good at these for the next couple of months. And then I can like take a break and I have a lot of ultras planned for the summer. So I was kind of like strength focused. So definitely put more work into the daily workouts, into the high rock specific workouts. Um, um, yeah, I did really well at Chicago. I got fourth there and it was the best rate after my first one in November. I was like, I'm really struggling on these. This one, I dropped my time by I think another four minutes. That's a lot um, of time. Mm-hmm. And I was, I felt so good. I was like, this is it. Like, I love this. And I felt good. Um, so I guess I think I kind of fit off of that going into like training then for world championships. So I definitely put in the work. Like I was, I guess I was excited to put in the work, put in the training um, and just yeah, a little bit consistently every day, nothing too crazy, nothing wild. And I think that kind of came through in my performance of the world championships. Like I was not like, I was, I came in there seated as 12th. They yeah. were the top 15 and I was 12th. Uh, I had the 12th fastest time there. Um, but, um, I just kind of consistently, you know, I knew I could complete each of the stations in a decent time. Um, and ended up kind of making up ground on the back end just from being consistent yeah. and kind of sticking with it. Um, and I actually won. So I was like, yeah, the the, it was a, it was the way you describe that is not like someone that had just won. <laughs> well, I'm still, I don't know. It's still, and I, I still, I think about it. I'm, I'm almost like, did I really win that? Because so much of it, like I did not go in there at with the pick to win at all. Right. Like if anyone's like, okay, one person's going to win. This is not me. 
Um, and I don't think I even chose myself to win. I knew I could get top five. Yeah. I knew I was competitive, but I, I feel like, and I don't know if it's a, um, almost a defense mechanism, like to not disappoint myself. Right. It's like, Oh, I'll do. Okay. Um, but yeah, I went in there knowing I, knowing I could do well, knowing that I had a good chance at maybe podium, but we'll see. Um, and just, you know, I, realized halfway through that my fitness is there. I'm feeling good and I'm ready to push. Like, um, yeah, that's all I can really, I went into it with very low expectations and kind of surprised myself, um, with what I was able to do against that field that day. Mm. Like, I mean, it was definitely not a world record time. So it wasn't, you know, this crazy performance, but on that course against everybody there, I had it. Yeah. So, so when you yeah. say it felt good halfway through and you can push, are you pushing on the events? Are you pushing on the running? Where, where does that gear change? Um, I feel like the running I can always push on. Um, I feel that I'm able to recover pretty quickly from each of the stations, even the ones that totally wreck your legs within, you know, halfway through another one of those one K laps. I'm, you know, running back at a pace that I'm happy with for the most part. Um, right. It's very, I feel like it's very front loaded that comes in with the skier and then you have the sled push and the sled pull. And those two are very challenging for me. Um, and then after that, um, I found, I guess in the past, the sled push and the sled pull, if you let them get to you, they kind of take you out physically and mentally, like they destroy you. Um, so I, I guess I kind of had figured out for myself I have like the sled push, the sled pull, I survive, but with how I'm able to kind of bounce back, I can really give better efforts on the second half of the workout. Um, so I guess, I mean, the burpee broad jumps are not really a huge strength of mine, but I went into those and ended up feeling really good on those. Um, and then, um, the row is one that I have, Actually, in in Dallas, like a month before, I'd done very poorly on. So the row is something I'd worked on, and that was, I think, the sixth, fifth station. So the row was stronger than I had felt. So I yeah. think it was more the stations where I felt good on the running. I always felt like I could recover. I was doing okay, and I was feeling good on these runs. Um, I had these new shoes that I was wearing. I was like, "This is great." Um, so, but it was the stations where I was able to, the farmer's carry, I went unbroken on that, which wow. was kind of what made up a lot of time. Yeah. I went unbroken and the other girls took two to three to four mm. little breaks. Um, so that one was definitely a strong station for me. And then the lunges, I dropped back some on, but they felt stronger than they felt in a long time. And then the wall balls were kind of a big question mark for me. Um, as is like, I've heard that these European girls so good at wall balls. They can do them unbroken. Like, so I was a little bit like, and I, I think that was too, like I knew I was in the running now yeah. for first, but I thought to myself like, Oh, they'll, they'll get me on the wall balls. So I definitely kind of, I didn't like, Oh, I've got this. I'm going to win. Like I was okay. Like I'm doing okay. Maybe I can hang on in the wall balls. And it wasn't until the last 40 wall balls, I realized she's taking breaks about as many times as I have. And she's still about 10 behind. I realized I got these unbroken and like, I'm still in the lead. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a very like, just kind of feeling it out and figuring it out as I went. Um, 
It's cool. So no, I mean that that's amazing. Congratulations. Now I would now you're in Vegas and I'd be like, Oh, you can celebrate for the next couple of days, but that's that's not what you did. I'm not much of a I'm definitely not a partier. <laughs> and I like to race. So that's what I did. Um yeah, it was Vegas landed the same weekend as one of the Spartan Elite series races. And the the thankfully it was on a Sunday and the Hyrox was on a Saturday. We didn't realize until the weekend of Hyrox that this competition was actually going to be at like 6 p.m. on a Saturday. But I still had a little group of friends were like, let's do both. So um yeah, right after we wrapped up Hyrox, I actually had to stay there for like this extra interview and stuff. I think we left at about 1030. We had a three, four hour drive over to California um, for Big Bear the next day. Um, and this was very different kind of competition um, out on the trail, running up a mountain and doing obstacles. Um, yeah, managed to hang in there, too. So when do you what is what does a rest look like? Is that a day? Is that two days? Is that half a day? What does a rest look like? It's one night's rest. After one night's sleep, like I'm good to go. Perfect. So, so we're 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 gonna wrap things up here because I know you had around an hour. Um, so yeah. first off, if people want to follow uh, you racing, because they probably can't just be where you are, um, where where would they find you on social media? Um, Instagram for sure at Chris Roglowski. Um, I post on there. So I try to. <laughs> awesome. And that's it. So the the last two questions that everyone gets, um, what is your definition of health? Not necessarily the dictionary definition, but what is health to you? Um, Health to me is, I guess you can't, it's a healthy mind and a healthy body. um, And I guess it's almost like a happy mind and a happy body. Um, If my, if I wake up, ready to go for the day, like to me, ready to go. And if I'm physically able to go for that day, like to me, that's health. And that is literally my number one goal. I just want to be a healthy person. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to wake up and mentally and physically be ready to do whatever. And that may be something physical. That may be something athletic that may be, you know, whatever it is. Um, to me, health is just a, I guess a happy content, like mind and body. I think you can't separate the two. Um, and I think mentality is just as important as physical. Um, and that's something that I've learned a lot over the past several years. Um, and I, you know, the recent success that I've had definitely like it physically feels good, but it mentally is like such a, like, I'm just happy. I'm yeah. just so happy. And so, you know, whatever it is anyways. Yeah. No, that's all. I, just, I, I, uh, I love that. Been able to go every day. <laughs> um, and then what's something from your life that the listeners would be able to take away as a, as a benefit? Something from my life. Um, I would say, I think it's, um, always saying yes, has been one of the biggest things that has helped me progress as a person, as an athlete. I say that with like, I've had a problem with learning to say no as well, Mm -hmm. but I say yes, as in, Nobody is self-made. Um, you can't. You can't do. You can't succeed alone. When opportunities present themselves, obviously within reason, like saying yes and like taking chances and going for opportunities, um, I think that does a lot more. Even whether they work out or whether they don't, 
it uh, grows you as a human and gives you those chances that you wouldn't have on your own. So as much as like hard work matters, work ethic, you know, all these kinds of things matter, like people matter and saying yes, I guess, to people, to opportunities. um, That's something that I've had to learn to do a little bit less of, but for the most part, like being open to new options, to new things Mm -hmm. is kind of like I don't know it's been huge for me so um that's that's my my life Uh, my life lesson that's fantastic I love that thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me absolutely